got here. I met you in the garage. I'm like, what's going on with you, Johnny? What's new? And you're like, oh, I'm just, I was setting up my mom's phone. I, I can't do your voice. I was like, I was setting up my mom's phone. I can't do your voice. But anyways, you were saying you were setting up your mom's new phone. Because, like, I guess she didn't know that you can just have the people at the store transfer the stuff from your phone to another phone. So what apps, what are the apps that your mom demands? you like, Johnny, make sure I have this and this and this on my phone by the end of today. It's nothing in particular. Like, I must have this with the obsession of, like, Facebook. That's the main fucking thing. Does she need Facebook just or does of... she need Messenger? Well, both. They're just a bunch of boomer stuff, like Facebook and Messenger and Google Maps. Not really a boomer thing, but... They, I need, Yeah, I need Google Maps all the time. Yeah, but she can't live without that shit. But, like, the way she operates on Google Maps is she doesn't put an address in and from my location. She'll do that shit where she, like, pinches out and pinches in, like, uh, everywhere that she goes. What? How, okay, how does that work? What do you mean? Like, it doesn't know automatically where she is? No, we know that we have to put in the address yeah. and, the lo- and like, where we're at. Uh-huh. And it'll just say, send me to that location, and it just draws it out for you, right? Does she point at it? No, she has to put her hands on it, pinch out, zoom zoom in, zoom out, like, every every couple miles. Oh, you know instead of doing the, the re... Uh, what's it called? Like, not recalibrate, but the... It just calculates the destination. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so... It doesn't do the thing where it keeps up with you? Is what you're saying? She doesn't do that? Yes. Yes. She has to manually scroll down to see where she is. Yeah. She's not using the GPS. Why don't you tell her? Because it, like I said, she's a boomer. She doesn't, she doesn't want to give you the system. Recenter. I think it's called recenter. Where like, it it shows where you're at and like, from the angle where you're driving in the direction. Well, I never use recenter because I'm always like on point to where it tells me to go. Oh, okay. So I'll move around if I like try to find a, a different location adjacent to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I might have to recenter, but I rarely have to do that. Yeah, but you asked me, and I'm just telling you, it's just a bunch of like. Well, do you think we're ever gonna get like that? How? Where we don't, we're not tech savvy at all. Yeah, of course, absolutely. I think I think right. of it now when like, I see kids like my my students they talk like on TikTok and like other stuff that I don't really use because mm-hmm. I look at it like Snapchat or like that kind of stuff. I looked at it and I'm like, like, Oh, this seems like a less useful version of like messenger or Instagram or Twitter. And I know now that like Facebook, cause I still use Facebook for family, but I know a lot of my students like, like they don't use Facebook cause they see it as like, that's for old people now. And so like, I know some of them are on Twitter because like I'll, I'll pass by and I'll see like their phones, but like there's stuff that they do. Like I remember when Vines were the big thing. I'm like, this is just like more condensed YouTube. That's how you beat it. I don't think that's the same thing though. Or now with like the TikToks, or it's like, well, I don't have TikTok because I'm like like this, the, the Chinese, you know, firm uh, spyware and stuff. Even though like everything has spyware technically, but. I like to choose my spyware, if that makes sense. Well, I get to choose who's going to read my emails. Exactly, exactly. And now I know that's kind of like a boomer stance because it's like, it doesn't really matter, they tell me. Like, I tell, I tell them that stuff too. Like, oh, like they, they, they already know everything they know about me. I'm like, I guess, but I wish you didn't weren't so nonchalant about it. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm definitely in that. There's some things now where I'm like, like, oh yeah, like I'm past the age for this kind of thing. So I don't know. I hope, hopefully not everything's like that in the future. I imagine... I never want to be that person who has to have like the giant remote control with the giant buttons or like I can't I, I like my grandpa gets frustrated with technology. My mom, to an extent, gets frustrated with technology. She'll have me come and like 
trouble to like, hey, like, like does this still show that I'm online? And she'll ha- come and look at my phone to see if she's still like online. Like she doesn't want people to re- talk to her and stuff. So I don't kind feel of. That, I don't feel the same way because we've been we've been adapting like forever, dude. You think you're gonna grow like, up with technology? Like you're gonna keep up with it? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, like the Commodore or the I don't know what it was uh, the little pad with the joystick that you connect to the TV, right? Atari. Or was it Atari? I don't know. Maybe it was the Commodore. Whatever. I've Commodore used these 64. Old, yeah, I've used these too. old ass systems, yeah. and from that, we've continuously just adapted all the way through to the yeah. PS5 and all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And them, I feel like, I don't know. They just get sick of. I I don't know if it's something that doesn't click with them in their brain, or if they just get to a point where they're just tired and they're like, I don't want to feel. I don't feel like learning anything new. I'm mm. just. Want the easiest fucking thing. But to me, like, learning the newest shit is the easiest way to do something. I mean, there's some things I don't keep up with. Like, last time, last week, my uncle came over to visit my grandpa. And he's like, oh, mijo, like, does your TV, like, can you do that thing where it's, like, the airplay or drop cast or whatever the thing is? Like, where you can, like, send the image on your phone to the TV. The mirror. Something like that. I'm like, oh, like, oh, like my TV's not a smart TV. The one in the living room. Like, the living room TV is not a smart TV. He's like, oh, but you were on, like, YouTube. I'm like, oh, that's because I have the Roku physically attached to the TV. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a smart TV, like, in itself. I have an attachment to kind of make it work as a pseudo smart TV. But he's like, oh, yeah, you can just do, like, the, the Dropcast or Dropbox or whatever, AirPlay. I'm like, uh... And I, I was like... Like, yeah, I never have to use that, so I don't know how that works. And I was thinking, like, oh, man, like, I'm already starting to get there where, like, some technology is, like, like if I don't need it, I don't have a reason to know how to, how it works. So Well, that's what I mean. If I feel like I need it or I want to I want to take pleasure out of it, it's just going to take me, like, a couple of days to, to get around to it. Oh, I'm sure if I sat down and tried to figure out how AirPlay or screencast or when any of that stuff works, I'm sure I could figure it out. I'm just saying I already... I realize I already have that attitude where I'm like, eh, like I don't need to know what this is. Well, that's what I mean compared to the boomers. Like, even if they sit sit down, it's gonna take them like fucking months, dude. Yeah, I think we're we're still like at the point where like we're very like we can still learn rather quickly. We like adapt quickly. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. So she just wanted you to put Facebook on there, basically. It's Facebook, but her her phone does weird shit sometimes, mm-hmm. and it's because they like also my stepdad like they'll just get frustrated and they'll start clicking a bunch of shit oh and they start randomly like moving shit like they start getting rid of the widgets oh they they're like why is my phone oh i don't have memory and it's like you have like 150 apps that's like like, when did i install those it's like you pressed around and you installed it somehow Mm -hmm. it's like when i try to show my mom something on my phone like i'm trying to show her just a picture just a picture Mm mm-hmm and then she'll like click something and then she's gone out. She's out, she's like back to like the main menu. I'm like Ugh. Exactly. And it's like super simple stuff. It's like, look, hold the button down and then slide it up and then it's gonna go to your home screen. But they don't I don't know, they don't have that thing where they it's like she's like hold oh. slide uh-huh. release. But for like, them it's like, like tap, 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 tap. Yeah. Right? My mom's like, Oh, I touched something, I don't know what happened. I'm like, Ugh. Like, why'd you touch something? Just like, just take the, just take the phone. Don't touch the screen. Leave the screen alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I get, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to eventually get to that point too. We're just like, I'm going to take a look around and not recognize anything. And it's going to like scare me. And then I'm going to be like that old person. Like, like I make fun of. So I think it's going to happen to all of us eventually, unless you're like, cause there's like a difference, right? There's like, 
people who grow up with technology, like the guy who created the GIF, like he just died recently, right? He was like mm-hmm. 70 or 80 something. Like that's an old guy, but because his life centers around technology, he knows, he knew how to use technology properly, right? As like, as opposed to say like my grandpa who like worked in construction in the fields when he was younger, he's not going to know anything about technology. So I do think if your life centers around technology, you're probably more resistant to that like phasing Good out. Good point, because I, I I like uh, car comparisons always. I think we're more mechanics than your typical driver. Like, there's a there's an old driver that maybe used to fucking crank his fucking car to get that shit started. Whatever the, the jalopy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then there's mechanics nowadays where it's they're they're talking about like this is a CVT and this is a torque and this is the how many liters and all this shit, right? Mm-hmm. Give you all these technical specs and. What's the most efficient, reliable, and et cetera, right? Yeah. Those are the mechanics. Um, I think we are the guys that, like, really get into, like, the tech. And we're not really going to forget it in the long term. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because, like, whatever future tech is just going to be built off the bones of the existing infrastructure kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, so Wi-Fi what, is always probably always going to stay Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. So when... Bluetooth tech is always going to be probably, unless it's replaced with something better, then it's going to be just the same principles but just a different name or something yeah so that that goes for tech like i think we're gonna realize like oh wi-fi there's this new tech right now and we just replace it like we know all the little it's like what they do with the with the 5g 4g 3g just more g's added i think we see it as as modular you know yeah yeah like one thing gets outdated i'm like oh okay swap here's a new out. tech swap it out yeah and then there's some older people that see it as a big ass mass and that they're like, monolith. I don't know what the fuck to yeah. do with this. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Anyways, Johnny, this isn't a tech well, that's not true. It is a technology adjacent podcast because it's a podcast about video games, and video games by their very nature are tech. So so th- so disregard that, I guess. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another weekly installment of the Duo Sense Podcast. I am your host, as always, Andrew Orozco, joined by the Badger of the High Desert, the self-proclaimed lost cause, because he is always down for the cause, never down for the count, the unnecessary one, Johnny. Hey, what's up? How are you doing, Johnny? I'm good. Did I tell you that I started my, I did, right? I told you about starting my garden finally. You did. I bought my chicken wire. I got mm-hmm. my concrete blocks. I need more concrete blocks because I don't have the space. They're too heavy for me to carry all at once. But anyways, let's get to it, Johnny. We have a couple of things to talk about this week. I, I originally thought like we were going to have like nothing really of substantial like worth. But there is a couple of things since this is GDC week, uh, which is the Game Developers Conference. And some stuff is kind of coming out. But let's get into the first thing, Johnny. The thing I'm very excited about. This comes from PC Gamer, written by Andy Chalk. I like that name. He sounds like the main character, like in a like in a children's novel. Andy Chalk. The article is Fortnite's no building mode will be made permanent. Data miners say. Epic recently switched off building in Fortnite's default mode. A change explained by way of a convoluted story trailer that ends with a surprise appearance by Doctor Strange. As Jody put it at the time, video games. The change was meant to be a temporary novelty. Although we predicted that a no-build mode could become a permanent option if it was sufficiently popular. We are, therefore, 
Not at all surprised that multi multiple data miners have discovered evidence that Epic is in fact planning on keeping the no-building option around on a full-time basis. TweeBR said on March 21st that, quote, the no-builds LTM that will be available after eight days will be called Solo No-Build Battle Royale, end quote. There will also be no-building modes for Duo, Trio, and Squad as well. Hypex corroborated the claim a couple of days later, saying that there are separate no-building modes that they can enable anytime after the LTM ends. And also that most loading screen tips have been changed to say, in modes with building enabled. So there's like a specific like qualifier there. We said when the no-building mode was announced that removing a central element of the game might seem like a high-risk move, but Fortnite has thrived for years largely on the strength of reinvention. It's a battle royale, the same as PUBG, Apex Legends, and Warzone, and yet it's a completely different kind of experience, one in which any number of Marvel superheroes, Olympians, and or hip-hop stars can warp in, kick ass, and be on their way without anyone raising an eyebrow. Changing it yet again, ironically, by making it more like its genre bedfellows, actually fits pretty well with the Fortnite formula, and it appears to be going well. Ahead of the recent leaks, plenty of people on Reddit were already expressing hope that a no-build mode of some kind would become a permanent part of the game. And it ends right there. Thank you, Mr. Andy Chalk. Johnny, you've actually played this no-build mode. I haven't gotten around to it. I've updated Fortnite. I have it on my hard drive. I've just been very busy with other playing other games and other stuff going on in my life. But you've actually had some time to play this no-building mode. Out. Tell us, what are your thoughts? What is your experience? I think it's fun. I think it's so fun. Um, is it just for solo players right now? No, no, it's for all the modes. Oh, okay. I thought that's uh, it's for all the modes, I think, except for the the battle mode. I forget where there's like 15 on 15. 50 on 50. Really? I think right now it's only up to like 16 on 16. Oh, okay, it's, okay. It's small right now. Okay. Have you found... Have you found are you like I imagine like the meta might have changed where like people probably are not running around in open fields now or not? No, they still do that. Oh, they still do. That. Yeah. I, okay. Are you more like are you more like cautious now? Where you're like you like okay, how far is it from this cover to that cover now? No. Oh. Uh, I think it doesn't really matter because the loadout isn't that intense right now. So are snipers like way more effective now? The neighbor, the snipers suck. Oh. Uh, they suck right now. I think right now you have like a bullpup gun with a, I think it's a silencer or something like that. Uh, you got a revolver, you got some shotguns. So a bullpup is like where the magazine is behind the trigger. I think it's a bullpup. Like okay. everything carries like right yeah, in yeah, this area. Yeah, and that's okay. like a little top heavy. Okay. Um, so we got some of that. We got some shockwaves. Uh, for people who don't play it, it's just like this device you put on the ground and it throws you away from the action. In case oh, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they had actually they added that to a uh, Warzone. <laughs> so, oh, really? It's like a jump pad kind of thing. Yeah, it's because you have parachutes in Warzone. So, like, it's so a what thing. is it? You jump up and then it launches you. Again? Yeah, it launches you. Oh, okay. Uh, so, the thing with the map is it doesn't really lend itself well to to something like Call of Duty because there are these open spaces and mm -hmm. those open spaces I think are designed for build matches, right? Can you still destroy the environment? Can you still like mine wood or no? No, you can't. it's just pointless. Oh, okay. It's uh, you can only uh, you can hit things and get through walls to get to like a chest to get to some items. Or right, whatever. right. But I think the main issue right now is is of course the map because 
all the hubs are like very dense like you have a city and you have a town but it's all dense and they're small mm-hmm. and then in between that there's a lot of space because you gotta have these build battles right right but now that that isn't there you'll have these things where uh you'll throw like a barrier in front of you uh those barriers you can also take and put it in front of a car and you can it becomes like a battering ram do you still have that weird thing where you throw and it just like build the tower or no more do you remember that one that's in the vault oh okay yeah so that's not active in the game right now uh you have the battle bus and you have tanks in the game now so those two things are going up against each other so there's more vehicles to make up for that empty space then Uh, yeah I, i think so the tank is fun the battle bus is fun now you got these blimps with these uh blimps you have like these giant metallic blimps and you okay. can take uh these uh like these how would you ropes. Even, how would you even board a blimp i'm wondering it's uh i don't know what's called it there's like a fucking a rope to it like a what oh is it okay yeah like a tether yes yeah. there's tethers on them okay um so it's the beginning of the, se- the season. It's it's good right it's now. It's only been like a week, right, so far? Yeah, so it's going to get fucking intense, dude. Once they start introducing new guns and new like little props, mm-hmm. it'll get pretty dope. But yeah, for somebody that isn't into Fortnite, this is like the perfect time to jump in. Because I've been seeing on Twitter, like a lot of my friends who do play Fortnite, they've been on Twitter like, oh yeah, like, this is like the best thing that's ever happened. Like, oh wow, like it's really like they're hyping it up. Like, oh yeah, this is like the thing it needed or something. Yeah. So I'm curious. I really want... I. I'm ready to play it. I'm probably gonna play it tonight just to see, like, for myself. But I, I was just—I was wondering if maybe, like, if the way people approach the game had changed because now they can't, like, just build a hotel for safety. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the only recommendation I have is, uh, you got to tweak your settings because there's so many, there's so many tweaks that you have to do. Um. You're just not gonna be a great player if like you're saying your sensitivity is way too fucking high. Oh, those settings. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So your sensitivity settings I, are the main thing. I thought gotcha. like visual or sound or something like like yeah, yeah you have to like really listen for like actually seconds. sound. There's this one thing where you activate where it, it tells you all around where the sounds are coming from. Okay. Do you have that in COD? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have that? Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm enjoying it. That's cool. I'm glad. It sounds like they're doing really well. I, I I find it funny how the article is like, basically, it's become more like its predecessors by getting rid of the building, but like, it still has other things going for itself to separate it than just the not building thing. Like, yeah. the, like the licenses and the skins that it has are very da- different than from what you'll find in like Apex or something, you know? So yeah. then there's like the plethora modes and like the other things they have going on, such as like the shield bubbles and all the other things. It's not... It's not just, like, only the building set Fortnite apart from all the other, you know, Battle Royales. There's other stuff going on, too. Yeah, the other point I wanted to make, um, because Sony is trying to make a massive game, something akin to to Fortnite. Mm -hmm. To give you an idea of why they wouldn't want to chase that. Obviously, it's for the money. But just to put it in perspective, Sony's net profit for, say, 2020 was 11 billion right That's and you know mean. sony puts out like a ton of exclusive games right god of war uncharted horizon zero dawn etc and they're expensive ass games to make now so sony made 11 billion but fortnite just that alone makes 5 billion so it's like for that one fucking game it's like almost half the fucking half profit of, of yeah. the entire company of sony yeah so that's that's crazy dude. gotta chase that bag johnny as you say chase the bag yeah 
All right, so what do we got next? All right, thanks for asking. Fortnite adjacent, we have this article from the BBC, the British Broadcasting Company, just so just to get just so that we're clear. Written by Tom Gherkin says Ukraine war says Fortnite owner Epic Games raises 37 million pounds. I don't convert that to dollars. I don't know how for humanitarian efforts. It says Epic Games says it has raised more than 50 million. Okay, so that's what it is. 37 million pounds or 50 million dollars to aid humanitarian efforts in the Ukraine. The Fortnite publisher announced on 21st of March it would donate all proceeds from in-game sales, including cosmetic in-game items and virtual currency bought in a shop or online until the 3rd of April. So that's about a little more than a week from now. And Xbox is donating the fee it would usually take on items bought by players in Fortnite. Oh, you know, the little marginal like taxing. The amount raised so far is greater than that given by some countries. <laughs> Just to, to put perspective of how big Fortnite is, like Epic Games is like, like, yeah, we got country, we got multinational money here. A statement on the Fortnite website said it would send funds, quote, as quickly as we can, end quote. Quote, we're not waiting for the actual funds to come in from our platform and payment partners, which can take a while depending on how the transaction was processed. As transactions are reported, we'll log them and send the funds to the humanitarian relief organizations within days. Epic is sending money to UNICEF, Direct Relief, the UN Refugee Agency, and the UN World Food Program. Uh, BBC is not responsible for the content of external sites. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, here it goes. It says, Epic's fundraising joins other efforts by games companies and their fans to raise money for the victims of the war in Ukraine. Humble Bundle, for example, sells collections of video games online with proceeds usually benefiting both the developers and the charities. But in its latest offering, Humble has raised more than 10 million pounds exclusively for charities benefiting the Ukraine. It has provided a bundle of 120 games and items, usually valued at more than 1,800 pounds, but it now offers for a minimum minimum donation of 30 pounds. Let's see. We're community to our vice president of social impact at Humble says we are constantly humbled, pardon the pun, by our community. Throughout the year, and particularly during times of crisis and disasters, it's been great to see that across the gaming industry, so many others are leaning in as well. Uh, and the article, I mean, kind of goes on to talk about other charities that are kind of doing the same thing. There was actually one I did, I did pay for, John. I did pay for one. Uh, there's um, there's this website called I don't know if it's pronounced itch.io. Itch, uh, it's a website that does like PC games, but it's like PC games made by just like the average person. And they had one where they're like they're like giving away like a thousand games for like ten bucks. So I did pay for I did pay for that one because some of those games that included were like ones I really wanted to play anyways, and they were like way cheaper. Like there was one game that's like twenty bucks that I wanted to play, and now I don't have to pay the twenty bucks. I just pay the ten dollars for the bundle, and it includes that twenty dollar game in there. So like so there's one. It's called itch.io. That's like the site, and so if anyone wants to check or anyone wants to contribute to that. Ukraine fund, you can do it that way. Um, so it seems like Ukraine, the war in the Ukraine has been a big part, a big uh, tentpole topic for the last few weeks. Not just in the real world, but like as its effects bleed into the video game world, right? Like remember last, was it last week? Or the week before when like one of the studios, the one doing the, the Chernobyl, the Stalker 2 game, mm-hmm. like they literally stopped working on the game to literally go to war because like they're in ukraine like their studios in the ukraine they're like okay we'll get back to like finishing the game like after we win this war and it's like 
good luck to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to respond to that, but it's interesting to see how these things that kind of bleed over. I also like how the article does mention where Epic is like very upfront of like where the money's going to, because listening to our cousin Joe's podcast, the none of our business podcasts, uh, last week they're talking about how a lot of people donate to stuff and don't really even know where it's going. Like sometimes you just donate to like a relief fund or whatever. And it's like, or like people do those Kickstarters or those like, um, there's another one. It's not Kickstarter. There's like another one. Cause Kickstarter for projects, which, Oh, go fund me. There you go. Go fund And it's like, is this money going to where it needs to get to? Well, not just that. A lot of them are frauds. Like you'll put in money and then you find out a lot of that money is going to the execs. So, they might end up getting... Or there's like a lot of like, uh, what do you call it? Overhead. Yeah, a lot of... Yeah, like you'll end up paying like... You'll end up putting 10 cents to the actual cause instead Out of a dollar? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's out. what they say about... Is it Salvation Army or like the Red Cross? One of those is like... Like, they really like... Very little of the money actually gets to the thing it's supposed to. Because there's so much like, oh, we got to pay our execs and our CEO and everybody... Mm-hmm. So I like how Epic mentions like, hey, like these are the actual ones we're sending money to. Like we have like actual reputable or, you know, I'm not sure that's the right term, but like actual authentic charities for this stuff. So that's nice, Johnny. That's nice. Uh, Do you have any thoughts about this, Johnny? No, just good on them. Yeah. When you're rolling in that Fortnite money, like as you talked about with Sony and stuff, right? Like was it 50? No, 5 billion, you said? Yeah. You can afford to do this kind of stuff. So all the power to you, Epic Games. All the power to you. Let's keep it going. Our next story comes from Push Square. This one's one of them. This is like the story that I'm actually really excited about. Written by Sammy Barker. It says PSVR 2 is playable at GDC and is already blowing minds. PSVR 2 is playable behind closed doors at GDC this week. And there's already a lot of buzz seeping out of the show. Chet Falizek a Valve veteran, shared the following on Twitter, quote, had one of those VR moments today playing in the new PSVR 2 HMD. You know where the world just feels different when you return? So good. Dot, dot, dot. Thanks, Shuhei and Greg Rice for the demo and chat, end quote. This post was later shared on the recent era forum where one user mentioned that the comments sounded hyperbolic. It's not hyperbolic, replied a truant pixel developer who's working on Runner, a motorcycle game for PSVR 2. Remember this one, Johnny? The motorcycle game that looks like super realistic? When the guy's on the oh, that's right. on the rainy road? Yeah, that looked great. That's that's one of the one of the developers of that game is the one talking right now. He says it's not hyperbolic. As of yet, there's no further information on what kind of demo Sony is showing, but PSVR 2 presentations are planned for GDC throughout the remainder of this week. Are you hyped to learn more? Okay, and it talks about, you know, comments in the section below. Johnny, I'm very excited for PSVR 2. Now, I know you're not a big proponent of VR because, you know, you get, like, headaches and stuff. But as someone who's very much into kind of, like, I'm, it's not like I don't enjoy regular games, but I'm ready for that next step, like, in the future kind of stuff. Like, VR is very much that for me. Or, like, I want to be immersed. I want to swing swords and take cover and run around like in the game, like physically, like the promises of what PSVR two can do, like are astronomical. And I love how this guy, how this Val veteran guy says like that it's, um, he say, Oh, he says, you know where that world just feels different when you return. Like 
Like, you, you have to imagine he must have left, like, a lasting impact on him to feel that way. And so that has me more hyped, like, for what this could be. And the person saying, like, oh. What like, do you think that means, though? I'm thinking it has something to do with the way the game feels or how the VR world feels. Maybe, I imagine, obviously, higher fidelity, not as blurry. Did it mean, oh, was he talking about a game and then he played it in the other, in the new VR? I'll read it and again. the world felt different. I'll read it again. It says, had one of those VR moments today playing in the new PSVR 2. You know where that world feels just, I'm sorry, you know where that world just feels different when you return? So good. Thanks, Shuhei, for the demo in chat. Okay. So it sounds like it. One of those things is hard to put into words. It sounds like, but it sounds the promise of what this can be. No, I get it. It's like watching a film in seven twenty p versus four k, right? Some I I have sure to imagine like so yeah fresh. something like that. But I imagine there must be something he probably can't talk about, like a gimmick or maybe just the way the maybe the haptic feedback or maybe it's all of that combined with the immersion. Okay. I don't know exactly what it is because he doesn't go into details, but. I'm very excited for what it can be. Hopefully, you can slowly, gradually build your VR legs so you can enjoy it too. I really want to see a state of play for this. How would that work though? Because like you can't show off VR like through a through a video. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's what I thought about the. I still to this day haven't tried the the Dual Sense, but I had no fucking idea when I saw the reveal for the Dual Sense, like the way they show it on sand, how it pulsates on the oh, sand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. how creatively how are they going to try to express the feel of this new version mm-hmm. compared to the old one you need to come over john so you can play the you can so you can play astro bot and also so you play returnal because those are the two games that take the most advantage of the dual sense controller what about horizon oh yeah i guess horizon does too yeah you're right yeah I, I do want to feel that bow yeah yeah the bow is mostly it but also like the steps of like the machines around you like oh really those feel kind of different a little bit yeah like okay. proximity wise, like the steps feel different. Huh. All right. So yeah, there's our stuff. But I am very excited for the world of VR. I'm huge proponent. I love Beat Saber. I loved playing uh RE seven in it. I love I love the idea and promise of VR. I just I just ah, it's just all those chords, Johnny. All those chords. I'm glad it's just one chord now, but let's let's move on, guys. Let's move on. It's already twenty twenty two. We need a cordless society. Humanity has evolved past the need for chords. You get me? Sure. <laughs> Johnny's like, all right, whatever. Let's go on, Johnny. This one, next story, IGN, the big boys, the big honchos, the big enchilada. Article written by Matt Kim says, Oscar Isaac gives an update on Metal Gear Solid movie. Quote, we're searching like Solid Snake. Oscar Isaac has given an update on the live action Metal Gear Solid movie where he's set to star as Solid Snake. During the red carpet premiere for the upcoming Disney Plus Marvel series Moon Knight, IGN asked Isaac if there was any movement on the Metal Gear Solid movie. The Metal Gear Solid movie was announced back in 2020 but has not been heard of since. We're searching, we're searching like Solid Snake, Isaac said. We're climbing through air ducts, we're looking for the story. I like that. Kong Skull Island director Jordan Valk Roberts has been attached to direct a Metal Gear Solid movie since as far back as 2015. Vogt Roberts said Metal Gear creator Hideo Kojima are oh Vogt Roberts and Metal Gear creator Hideo Kojima are close friends, with Vogt Roberts having appeared in Kojima's Death Stranding in a cameo. Getting a Kojima-san version of the movie is one of Vogt Roberts' biggest priorities. In 2018, during IGN interview, Oscar Isaac confirmed his interest to play Solid Snake. Quote, Metal Gear Solid, that's the one. I'm throwing my hat in for that one, end quote. 
Isaac told IGN while promoting the Netflix film Triple Frontier. Following the interview, Bob Roberts revealed Oscar Isaac was his preferred casting for Solid Snake as well and shared a Photoshop of Isaac as the character created by artist Boss Logic. And I think we all kind of... I think most of us have seen that. Uh, this is the dream was finally real in 2020 when Isaac was cast officially as Snake in the Metal Gear Solid movie, but it still appears a ways away. With Isaac telling IGN that the Metal Gear Solid team is still looking for a story, the film still sounds like it's in development. And then it kind of just talks about like Death Stranding and other stuff after that. All right. Johnny, do you feel, first of all, confident that this is in the right hands? Because it sounds like if this guy's close friends with Kojima, the creator of Metal Gear Solid... Yeah, I'm pretty concerned with this. I imagine Kojima is probably going to have some kind of advice or input. He's going to be able to be like, like, oh, I would do this, or oh, I wouldn't do that, or like, that's you know, that's no, this I character. Feel, I, I hope Kojima gets some type of credit. I'm sure he'll get credit. There's no way he doesn't. I'm sure it would be like based off of based off of a story by Hideo Kojima or based off the the franchise by Hideo Kojima. I'm sure there's no way he doesn't get some. A little more than that. I mention. mean, like current something that he put in today. You know. Oh, like like his prophetic like future stuff that he maybe predicts. Like, maybe like a draft of of the script, something like that. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident. The director seems like he's pretty chill with Kojima. He's, Kojima, he's cool. Mm-hmm. And then um, Isaac Isaac, I mentioned before, like I have a hard time trying to figure out what films he's actually in. Like the most I know Violent Year, uh, Star, Star Wars, Wars, obviously. He did well with that. Dune, I still haven't seen. He's in Dune, yeah, he's definitely um, in Dune. But I like Isaac Isaac, so did I say that right? Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, it's, it's two first names. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar Isaac, yeah. Uh, this sounds really cool. I, I hope it does. I hope it really... I'm a little nervous with the fact that they're still working on the story, that they're still trying to... Like, they don't... They haven't, like, set a date to start, like, actual, like, production, like, site, like, scout site... Lo- like, you know what I mean? Talking about, like, actual, like, location scouting or any of that stuff, like... It's still like in the writing room, so that kind of makes me feel like. I was gonna say for a second, um, I don't have a doubt because it's a major initiative for Sony to get their IPs cr- across, but it's not a Sony IP. I just forgot about that. Yeah, it's not a Sony IP, so it's not included in the God of War and Last of Us yeah. and Uncharted, yeah. and but it feels like it is in a way because it's we're so close. We that yeah. feels so close to the Sony brand mm-hmm. it almost does kind of feel that way. Yeah. Like if movies were if movies were people like this would be like the cousin to those movies in a way. Yeah. Also, uh, since we're kind of on the topic, I don't know if we covered it last week, but how do you feel about Halo? The producer saying like we didn't even bother looking at the game. That was funny. That was funny because I'm like, why would you say that? Like, why would you even put that out? Like, we didn't look at the game or even like play any of them. It's like, I feel like you're gonna mo- miss. All- I mean. I'm not a big Halo fan. I played the first, I played Halo Reach and Halo Combat Evolved, mm-hmm. but I feel like there are certain things that will not come through unless you've played those games and experienced like those moments. Like the story of Master Chief and like the Spartans and the Flood and the, the uh, I forgot the word. What's the other thing called? The Collect? No, not Collective. Covenant? Covenant. Thank you. Thank you. The Covenant. All that stuff, I guess you can kind of get that from a like secondary source where you just look at the story. But I do feel like playing as like how the weight of how Master Chief handles, I feel like a lot of that stuff would only help you with creating the show. I feel like not not going into like the primary sources is kind of like doing a disservice. 
Yeah, uh, so it's on Paramount. It's out now. So yeah, yeah, it's out now. I've seen some of the reviews where they say everything that you see in the trailers, it's just the first episode. Okay. And then uh, some of them had access to the second episode. And that's where it totally fucking falls off. Oh, like in a bad way? Yeah. Because they, fo- they start to develop characters that like you don't know about that aren't that that aren't known in the Halo universe. You okay. know, those the stuff that we actually fell in love with, right? Well, like speak, for, might... your, speak for yourself. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't well, it's pretty much Master Chief and then the the factions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all the action, of course. I mean, I feel like if you're gonna do a story of Halo, it doesn't it doesn't have to be a one for one retelling of the games? Because tell you what, there's not that much going on in the games, really. Like story. I mean, the two that I played, like it's mostly just shooting and little snippets of story. As opposed to like Metal Gear, where it's like you have the codec conversations, you have like actual plot developing constantly, not just like every hour. Yeah, see, Metal Gear has that issue where it's so dense in lore, it's like, where the fuck do we even start? And it's like, it's like there's so much there, and they make the film. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how the fuck they're going to get Metal Gear into a film. It's so dense, dude. Man, maybe that's why they're still writing it because they don't even know either. <laughs> that's why it's not it's not out yet. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not a big Hello fan, so I I really couldn't care any less. But um, are you gonna give it a chance? I don't have Paramount Plus, and I'm like too lazy to take on another one because they're gonna want me to put my credit card information, and I'm gonna forget to cancel you it. Just cancel it right on the spot. Uh, Nah, I'm not probably. You, you you can tell us next time. How about that? You watch it and you tell us next time. Is are they doing? I, think I already used my trial. Are they doing the thing where like it's all out at once or like at no, one episode per week? Kind I of think thing? it's one episode per week. Oh, so you can't even watch. You can't even binge it yet. Actually, that's a good point. You might want to do it at the end of the. At season. the end, yeah, or at least like if it's like a one month trial, then wait till like the last three or four episodes are coming out. Yeah, and then you can just watch it all at once, but. Anyways, uh, this article comes from The Way of Tech Raptor, written by Robert N. Adams. And this is an interesting one, Johnny. This is the Xbox Game Pass stats show clear benefits for developers. Microsoft made the rare move of sharing Xbox Game Pass stats at GDC 2022, detailing how game developers benefit from the game subscription program. As you're probably well aware... Xbox Game Pass is Microsoft's game subscription service that gives gamers access to a decently I got to worry it decently sized library of games that join and leave the program on a basis. Though the company has been reluctant to share stats, it recently revealed that it hit 25 million subscribers earlier this year. A new GDC 2022 talk has revealed more concrete details about how Game Pass can help developers of all stats. I'm sorry, sizes. I was scrolling before I even finished reading. Uh, as, hi- as highlighted by Benji Sales on Twitter, so that's a Twitter account who like, he always shares like sales data. Several key Xbox Game Pass stats were shared by Microsoft at a GDC 2022 talk featuring Director of Content Planning Joyce Lin and Senior Manager of Content Planning Eugene Kim. First, here are some key points of consumer info from the talk. The average U.S. household has nine subscription services and 25 connected devices. Wow. How many devices? 25 connected devices. Fuck. The average U.S. household. So that's like you're talking about your nuclear family of like four people probably. What is that exactly? Like Nine subscription services. Yeah, that's wild. I believe that because I have like at least half of that and I'm not a full family. (laughs) I'm not. I just mean my my grandpa. Well, I just use my little brother's account. So 
Well, there you go. Yeah. Nine subscription services, 25 connected devices. That makes sense because, you know, I have a Spectrum. And when I'm on Spectrum, it tells you literally how many devices are connected to your internet. And it's like PS5, PS4, desktop, TV, Switch, uh, laptop, and then my phone, and then my mom's phone. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're all using the Wi-Fi in the house. So, And then there's only two of us. So it's not even, like, a full, like, fat Oh, like a family household. of three or four. Or four, yeah. Okay. We each have their own devices. Does my uh, refrigerator count? Is it a smart fridge? reason, it has Wi-Fi. Really? Yes. That's dope. But why would you need wi- updates? Exactly. Updates no, for your why? fridge? Why the fuck do I need Wi-Fi? Better, better. Maybe it becomes more, like, power efficient. You power efficiency with Wi-Fi? I don't know. There's certain, yeah, because there's certain things that get like updates where they work better. Like they've learned, they've like if it has a computer or something, like they can figure out how to like make the best like of the firmware to optimize it. Yeah, that's a real thing. They do that for the PS5. They made it work, run like on a lower power setting, and computers have that too sometimes. Well, wouldn't the wouldn't the fridge already have a chip in it that regulates it on its own without having to be Wi-Fi? What if you can get an even better optimized? What if they got like someone they hired someone even better? It's like, oh, I know this hardware. I know this like way better than the previous engineer. Like, I know. But why does my why does my fridge have to connect to everything else? Maybe you want if your it's fridge more to efficient, it maybe you want your fridge own. to play music. I don't know. It doesn't have speakers. Okay, what does your fridge? do? How do you know it connects to Wi-Fi? What does it do? It's literally on my PlayStation. <laughs> like it comes up as like, it's like Samsung General Electric. Oh, okay. Samsung fridge. Is that what it says? I don't think it says fridge. It'll have a number next to it. And you figured out that was the fridge. Well, it's the only other Samsung device I have. That oh, and then I even include the my smart TVs that we do have in the house. Not the living room, but like we have three one for each of my family members, and that's like three. So, I I believe that twenty five connected. Anyways, back to yeah. <laughs> I don't know why your fridge has Wi Fi, Johnny, but that's cool that it does in a way, because that makes it sound like it's a it's a weird flex. Did you see? <laughs> did you see there was um, there's a fridge when Game Pass and all that stuff started coming out that people had a certain kind of fridge that was a smart fridge that you could play Game Pass. It could access Game Pass on the fridge because it has a built in mon- uh, screen like a app store. Mm-hmm. so if you have the access to the app store you have access to game pass technically it was weird is it 4k no of course not it's a fridge <laughs> but like you can it's like, totally fucking redundant it's funny it's funny it's it funny is. it says consumers spend an average of 273 dollars a month on subscription services now i certainly do not pay that much i have Crunchyroll, which is like nine bucks netflix which is like nine bucks no yeah like nine bucks PlayStation Plus, which is nine bucks, and oh, Disney Plus, which is like seven bucks. Okay, so I gotta know now. So that's like almost forty bucks a month on subscriptions. I need to know now. If you bought a fridge, oh god, would you buy a fridge if it had four K sixty frames, free sync, a hundred and something forty four hertz or whatever? Yeah. No. Would you actually no? You wouldn't use it. No. Why? I that sounds know. uncomfortable. I mean, to put up pull up a chair next to the fridge. I don't know. Would you? No. Okay. Why not? It seems dumb. It's redundant, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I definitely don't spend anywhere close to that. Now, 
I do know some people, I won't say names because they probably listen to this, who have multiple subscriptions. Who I wouldn't be surprised if they paid this much. Hint, hint. And then it says over 10,000 games were released on Steam in 2020 alone. Not sure what that has to do with Xbox Game Pass, but that stat's in there. It says that's a lot of games and a lot of potential for adding value. In concrete terms, an Xbox Game Pass subscriber spends on average 50% more than non-Game Pass subscribers, split between 60% on games and 45% on add-ons and 45% on consumables. It's unclear how developers are compensated for people playing their games on Game Pass, which may mean lower profits from initial sales, but it looks like that might be made up on the tail end with subsequent purchases. Another key point is sheer sales numbers. Indie devs like money just as much as anybody else, but many of them are just happy that their game is gaining some attention. The numbers reflect the benefits here too. Indie, te- indie devs see a 300% growth in revenue split between 109% in participation payments and bonuses for the Xbox Game Pass program and 110% in-game add-ons and revenue. These numbers were shared by a somewhat more philosophical talk by Xbox CEO Phil Spencer and head of Xbox creator experience Sarah Bond in a separate talk. Essentially, this conversation focuses on how Xbox and its programs empowers creators to make great games and keep making them, and it too is well worth a watch. In the end, it looks like Xbox... Yeah, I can't speak today. In the end, it looks like Xbox Game Pass is not just a great value for gamers, it helps out developers of all sizes too. We're sure to see the program expand its features in the coming years, and hopefully that means we'll see a larger library of available games on it too. All right. Woo! Okay, that was a mouthful, Johnny. Johnny, we've always talked about how Xbox Game Pass could not possibly be sustainable forever. And clearly, either Xbox is fudging the numbers, or they're being out here and being very specific like, hey, it's really good for indies. Doesn't say anything about the AAA studios, but it's really good for indies, though. Uh, what do you think? Do you have a take on this, Johnny? Do you have you have you budged at all in your ambivalence towards Game Pass? No, I don't know. <laughs> and so, like, like no. <laughs> so you're saying if you had a better p- computer or desktop, you would not try Game Pass? Uh, no, like I've said before, I think I'd use Game Pass as just a try, try it out, try it before you demoing buy. the games. Hmm. Uh, I don't know, dude. I don't. I don't really like. I don't really like having all these fucking services. Like Netflix alone is a fucking drain to me. It's like name bucks. No, no, but I mean, like mentally, it's a fucking drain. Mm. But because it feels like that constant like searching for stuff, right? Yeah, and the then, mental. Um... Mindshare kind of thing, yeah. Yes, the mindshare. And even when I find stuff, I'm like, I'm not ready to watch this. So it ends up sitting there. I end up having like, like 15 things. Bookmark. And, and then I'm like, fuck, where do I start? This I have like, I have like four different shows that are seasons. You know, they got like fucking 20 seasons going on. You got that. And then I got the films going on. I'm like, where the fuck should I get into this? Paralysis in? by analysis. Yeah, so to have Game Pass, it would feel kind of like... There's a new game. And like, Another I gotta, thing you're not going to use kind of thing. No, I feel like I got to play this game and it's this this open world is going to take me 80 hours and then I got to get to this to this uh, linear game. And if I don't play it right now, I'm going to fucking lose it because the game eventually is going to get off of the platform, right? Exactly. Yeah. So 
Uh, they usually just... give you like a month warning when the game's about to leave, though. Like you have a month ahead of time to know, like, oh, I gotta play this before it's gone. Yeah, but I, I f- it feels like pussy, dude. Like I feel like I rather just own the game and then I play when I have time. It's right there. It's not going nowhere. I already fucking own it. And then I'm good. I don't think about it. I don't think about like, let me try this game. Let me try this game. Let me see if I could get into this genre. Let me jump into this one. Like, it's, it just feels so tedious. That's literally like the argument for like physical media. Where like, I own it and I can just own it forever and I can just use it whenever. So I like, that's a, I agree with you. I do agree with you to that extent. It's just like, it's just that the games that I play on Game Pass are not games where like, I know I'm going to cherish them or whatever forever. They're just like games that I wouldn't have played otherwise. For sure, that's why I say like demo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, how do you feel about the mindshare? Like the exact same way, or? I mean, that's why I don't have Hulu anymore because I couldn't keep up with like I have Netflix. I have Netflix for like the general stuff. Mm-hmm. I have Crunchyroll for my anime stuff, and I have Disney Plus for like the stuff that my girlfriend and I like. Because she's a big Disney fan, so like we share that account basically. Oh, well, I share my Netflix account with her too, but like. I have something that covers each base. I don't need like the extra, extra. Like Hulu is different from Netflix, but it's like the same like target audience as Netflix. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also that like they have so much content. They're trying to please everybody. There's a yeah. lot of like li- like lap over or not lap over. What's the term looking at? There's a lot of overlap. <laughs> lap over. Over. <laughs> switch the words around. Wait, overlap as far as what? And, uh, Hulu and Netflix. Oh. Like okay. there's some series I see like especially their their anime section like. There is some anime that's on Crunchyroll, Hulu, and Netflix at the same time. I'm just like, I don't need Hulu because I have the other. Between the other two, I'm like covered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and then Disney, and Disney Plus, I only have it because that's the only way you can get Star Wars, Marvel, and Disney stuff. So, it's like, yeah, exactly. Else, really. Well, that's like a target. Like, Disney and Marvel, it's like, I got Disney exactly because I want at least these two things. Right. right. And then Netflix. And that's why I'm not interested in Peacock or Paramount Plus or like any of these other like ancillary like supportive like secondary ser- streaming services i don't need it so yeah i i only really have one for like three of them three st- streaming services back on topic though um yeah yeah three services three main ones and i including playstation plus which i pay for like every month also because like the free games and also for the because I, I just played like warzone with the guys like literally twice in the last week so mm-hmm. There's that also. But anyways, back on topic. I, I think this is this is cool that they're sharing this kind of information. I imagine, I suspected that, that it is worth it for the developers. Like um, one of the, the main head of a studio that I follow on Twitter, she had just recently put out a game called Skatebird on Game Pass. It came out like for you to buy. It also came out on Game Pass the exact same day. And she said like, oh yeah. Like, even without the money from, like, the Game Pass deal, she said, like, even without the money from the Game Pass deal, like, oh, like, we made, we already made back our, like, cost for, like, the whole time we've been making the game. So, like, anything from then on is just, like, icing, just pure profit. So, when she says, like, oh, yeah, even without the Game Pass deal, like, we've already made our money back, I'm like, oh, like, like, how much was a Game Pass deal? Like, what a game, like, they don't, they can't reveal those stats, but, like, it sounds like there's an initial like payment like just for being on game pass and then there's like bonuses for like tiers of like people who play milestones yeah there you go kind of like yeah like milestones in a way so there's an she's like oh without even mention without even including the game pass deal because this was on the day first day that it was out so i'm like oh like you already got paid for it just for the game being on the service and then like you're gonna get more for like those milestones not including the 
people buying the game away from the Xbox ecosystem. What game was that though? Skatebird. Skatebird, I just told you. Skatebird? Yeah. It's still on Game Pass. It's a game literally just like Tony Hawk, but with birds. It's cute. It's like, like on little tech decks. Okay. All right. I, I don't know how to... Okay, so what happens when you have like a $100 million plus game? They don't throw all those into the Game Pass, right? I don't understand your question. I can't think of a game right now. But if you have a super high pricey game, they want people to just outright buy it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, there's a reason why this focuses specifically on indie developers with no mention of like double A AA or triple A Well, studios. that's what I'm trying to figure out. Because if they're saying it's sustainable, like how do people get like, do they all get the same contract? I, I doubt that. I doubt that. Right? Yeah, I doubt that. So I don't know. Like, I want to see the contracts. I want to see like what kind of money they're making up front. And in the long term, and then what does that like? Does it offset people just buying your game straight out, right? Yeah, and then also, what does it mean for like massive fucking games? Like, because if I don't know, dude, because is it gonna? I guess what I'm trying to say is it gonna bring down the quality of major games of major releases? I don't think so. I don't. I don't see the correlation there. I don't think it would. Well, if they're throwing into Game Pass. Because oh. then they have to compete with all this fucking ocean of other little games. Mm, I don't know. That's a good question, actually. I actually don't know. I can see. I kind of see what you're saying. Sort of like you're like less incentivized or like less likely yes. to less incentivized to make a super polished, right, like, right. high end game. But I feel like if you're doing that, you're probably not going to put it on Game Pass to begin with. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But if they don't put that, because that's the only reason I would subscribe to Game Pass. It's for like super for the high big polish. ass games. Yeah. Because um, it's like, oh, that's where I you. save money. But if they're in there with all competing with everybody else, then what's the point of making the big ass? Well, game? I'm, not, I'm not a video game developer, so I have no idea. But I imagine anybody making a video game would probably want to put their all into it. Like you, you have this one chance to make this thing. You're probably going to try to make it as successful as possible. So. I don't know if that's like an actual. I don't know if that's an actual point. I, I, I imagine there must be maybe for like the big eight studios who are kind of just churning out content for the sake of churning out content, maybe. But if it's like for an indie dev or someone of like that, where it's like, no, like this is my passion project. It's got to be as good as possible. I don't know. That's a really interesting question. I actually don't have an answer. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I didn't mean that for the little devs. I think the devs are really gonna put their heart into it. But I think the bigger companies might want to try to cut corners. The the shareholder style companies. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. There's no way to really know that. Unless we've got like some kind of inside report. I imagine that information might come out one day some, in some form. Let's move on to some more exciting news, Johnny, shall we? Yep. Cool. All right. This one comes from GameIndustry.biz. Written by Christopher Dring. It says, Jade Raymond and Herman Holst on why Sony is buying Haven Studios. There's something a little different about PlayStation's plan to acquire Haven Studios. Historically, Sony likes to have a little dating period with a developer where they might release a few games together before they get married. It's what happened with Naughty Dog, Gorilla, Media Molecule, Insomniac, and Housemark. Yet Sony announced its partnership with Haven a little over a year ago. The develop Okay, so this is why I thought, I'm like, didn't they already acquire Haven? But no, they had some kind of partnership already. That's why I was confused. As the developer may be full of established faces who are responsible for hits such as Assassin's Creed, but it's still a new studio. It's still growing. It's not even announced the PS5 game it's working on, let alone released it. So why do the deal now? 
you're right. We could have just carried on in the capacity of them being an external development partner, acknowledges PlayStation Studios head Herman Holst. But what Haven has created is so exciting for us, there was just a desire to deepen that relationship. We have been very impressed with how Haven is coming together. It's just easier for us to invest in the team and game more deeply this way. It is testament to the fact we've been very impressed with the progress that Haven has made. They're actually exceeding a lot of the plans, including in terms of time, which very rarely happens in game development, let me tell you. So we thought, let's invest deeply and do this properly. Haven Studios head Jade Raymond adds, It's testament to the talent and the amazing relationships and trust we have between the team. A lot of these people have worked together over decades on many AAA games. We've created new IPs together. Many of them have gone on to work at different studios with me. That's really a big leg up when you all know each other's strengths and weaknesses. You know how to work together and you have done this before. The fact that the game is coming along strongly is certainly one very good reason to sign up the Haven team. To sign up the Haven team. But the acquisition will also give PlayStation something it has never had. A developer in Canada. Canada is one of the biggest producers of AAA games in the world. Most major games companies have a presence in the country, including Activision Blizzard, EA, Microsoft, Nintendo, Sega, Square Enix, Tencent, Take-Two, and Ubisoft. It's actually a surprise to realize that PlayStation wasn't among them. It is incredibly exciting for us to be there, but also to have people that are native to the area and knows everyone, says Holst. I have already seen the caliber of people that Haven has been able to attract. We are finally in Canada. We're finally in Quebec. And we've hit the ground running with a team that's deeply embedded in the area. As you know, we've always been heavily represented on the East Coast of the U.S. in Tokyo, in the U.K., in Amsterdam, and now in Helsinki with Housemark. So it's great to be able to tap into pools of creative talent in different parts of the world. Raymond adds, On a personal level, I like the fact we're between the West Coast studios and the European studios where Herman is. So we have the perfect time schedule for collaborations. Oh, it makes sense, I guess, like like for Zoom calls and stuff. <laughs> Raymond is used to working with large organizations, having spent much of her career at Ubisoft, EA, and Google. However, setting up Haven was a chance to move away from all that and become an independent. In an interview last year, she told us how excited she was to be back making games after several years in executive roles. The Sony acquisition may look like a step away from the idea, but Raymond says that's not the case. Quote, this acquisition is what I would have ultimately hoped for in my dreams. You talked a bit about a dating period and then getting married, but we did have a year of dating where we worked really closely with Connie, says uh, SVP and head of internal production, and Herman and all the teams at Sony. We got to see what they have to offer and how they work. The Haven team continues to feel like this is the best experience that we've had in our careers. It's been amazingly collaborative with so many talented people to work with and inspiring studios to exchange ideas with. The team felt like we could really make the best quality game if we were part of the PlayStation family. Since last year, I was talking about my personal desires to get back to working on games. That isn't changing. Sony isn't asking me to change my role. Things are remaining the same to me, and I get to focus on creating a new IP with the team that I love day to day, only with more support, which actually means I can focus even more on the game. This is the ideal outcome. Holst adds, We want the team to be fiercely autonomous from a creative perspective. I know from experience that the leads to the best po- that, that leads to the best possible games. We want that culture that she's nurtured. 
which is all about creating really positive and very fun connections between people. We want them to carry on doing that. We are here to help and we have created a really healthy organization to enable that. This acquisition shouldn't take anything away, quite the opposite. What we are taking away are distractions so that they can optimize that creative independence. That's what we're here to do. It says the Haven, the Haven acquisition will continue Sony's investment in live service and multiplayer games. Although the company has made numerous online games before, it is best known today for cinematic single-player titles like God of War and Spider-Man. As leaned into that reputation during the launch of PS5, both through the marketing and the titles it has released so far. Alright, I'm gonna end it right there because there's <laughs> there's a lot more, but it seems to be more about like the excitement they have about this the PS5 and working with uh, Mr. Jim Ryan. Woo! Okay, that was a mouthful. Johnny, please take it away. What are your thoughts on this acquisition? And how do you feel? How optimistic do you I think it's interesting that they do mention that. I want to mention that real quick, how they said how like each of their prior acquisitions, their studios that they've worked with, like, oh yeah, like we've had good results with you. But this time they just flat out just acquired the studio without like having any like stats, like financial stats to back it up. It's just like, oh, like we've seen how what they're working on and it's like so promising that like, we just wanted to get it get it already. What do you think? What do you think that spells for uh for our consumers and gamers who are interested? Well, for me, um, I mean, it sounds cool. She just really hasn't worked on games that I'm interested in. True. She did uh, Assassin's Creed and uh, Watch Dogs and and worked on the Stadia stuff with Google and some other stuff. Yeah, Yeah, the first, what is it? We're on three, right? Uh, For Watch Dogs, the first one was kind of a dud. And then the second one was, which one was that? Watch Dogs 2. With the jacket? No, that's the first one. That's the first one. No, no, with the blue jacket. Blue jacket? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that one was okay. That plays pretty well, but it just didn't. I just didn't really engage with the game. Assassin's Creed. I haven't played one of those in a minute. So you said it's changed. You know, a lot since then. Assassin's Creed has changed dramatically since then. Since the first one. Oh yeah. Yeah, but so you said it changed since then, except the ones that I played were probably was probably when she was in charge of it, right? Maybe I I, don't, I actually don't know for sure which one was the one you played. Yeah, so I can't really say like what, what if I should go back and check them out or if I should play the newest iterations. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know. So for me, like, oh, it's cool. Like she's obviously talented, but she's probably not gonna make what I like. That's possible. I I, I yeah. I mean, she's not the only one though. Like she's not the only part. I mean, she's part of it, right? She's like heading up the. It sounds like she's responsible for the main idea of what the game is supposed to be. So I can see why you might be worried, but I guess I know there's like a lot of other like veterans from like Activision and from like the Call of Duty teams and some former like Naughty Dog people too, I think in there and Ubisoft people. So there's the talent pool to make something like amazing is there. The question now, I mean, for Sony to be like, oh, yeah, like we're just going to acquire you straight out without anything that's like a proven like product. Mm-hmm. That makes me think like, oh, they're cooking up something special here. Well, I don't know if it's just the product alone, like the the idea of the game, the product itself might be there. But mm-hmm. it's also it, it also seems to be often the, the culture, you know, because Sony's really good at cult- cultivating uh, developers. Yeah, that's, companies. A, that's what Herman Holst said right now about how like. Like a good 
development team or good like uh, connections or relationships between the developers is very like evident in like the games yeah. that do really well. Yeah, but but the thing was with buying them so early, what kind of gives me pause is studios like the initiative, right? Like they kind of just fell apart. I think right now they're down to like fifty developers. I might have that wrong, but uh, that gives me a little bit of concern to start like kind of praising them when they're so early as a company, so young as a company, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so sounds dope. Like we've said before, we don't really like Microsoft or Sony in this like war to fucking buy studios. Right, acquisitions. Yeah. yeah, this seems to make sense. If I would have bought a studio though, it would have been what um, I forgot his name, developer for Mass Effect. Oh, uh, I don't remember his name either. But I know who you're talking about. That was the um, shoot. I forgot the name already, but I know who you're. I know you're talking it's something, about. His studio is called something like Human something, Humankind something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The you're talking about the writer Casey for, Hudson. There you go. Yes, there you go. Yeah. So Casey makes the fucking type of game that I like, right? But we don't even Mass know Effect. if like he would have been up for the sale either. Nah, he probably would have been down. Yeah, I mean, if it, the whole idea of breaking away to do your own independent thing, probably not eager to get acquired right off the bat. I mean. Unless you know for the right price. I mean, it would have been something something like that, like that guy Casey Hudson, maybe the developer for um, Visceral Games, Dead Space. He's working on Callisto Protocol right now. Yes, right. I don't know if the, if he's under somebody or if that's his own studio. I think it's his own thing. I think it's on. his own. Yeah, I think see that. Own. Fuck, that shit looks so promising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess this is great. Well, this I one, just, yeah, this one's supposed to be this supposed to be working on one of the many multiplayer live service style games. So that's a good point too. So for them to be like, oh, like this is very promising. I'm like, like okay, well, like it, I can understand if it was a single player game where you could see that like in a isolated bubble. Mm-hmm. But to feel that way about a multiplayer game where you can't really like account for the different people playing, like their behaviors and stuff, like that's interesting for them to feel that way. Well, that too. If it's a multiplayer, like online heavy game, mm-hmm. does Assassin's Creed or Watch Dogs have any of that going on? Watch Dogs kind of does. Assassin's Creed has dipped its toes into multiplayer, but it's not like, it hasn't been multiplayer like in years now but watchdogs does it have like microtransactions do they have like an online system where it's like they, yeah we can get a lot more money out of this yeah they do do that kind of stuff uh both assassin's creed and watchdogs do that now but it's always been just like cosmetic stuff or things that like speed up the game like experience boosts stuff like that Cosmetics is dope. Anything that kind of gives you an advantage, that's... Not really. It's basically just pure cosmetics. Okay. So, it is what it is. I I don't... I don't... I don't really feel like... I know a lot of people get it like, ugh, like, you know, microtransactions, but I don't really feel that way when it's just... It's just cosmetics because they have no impact on the gameplay. Yeah, I'm totally cool with cosmetics. Um, If the price is like five, ten bucks for cosmetics, I'm cool as long as you get to see what you're buying you know mm-hmm. they're not fucking loot boxes um yeah like how ea handled that like a while back yeah, where that so, where it did affect gameplay surprise mechanics surprise mechanics that's right anyways so i'm interested to see what this is obviously uh this is also the michael oh no no that's a different studio i was thinking is it michael mumbauer's but no that was a different that's the that's no moon studio different yeah. one so yeah this sounds cool i just don't want to get my hopes up just yet for this game i get it 
I'm already hyped up though because like if Herman Holst says there's something special here, I'm, I'm inclined. That's to a good point. Man. I'm inclined to believe Mr. Holst. So. Yeah, and Holst was in charge of one of my fucking top games, God of War. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Horizon, right? Yes. I forgot the first Horizon. Yeah, you're talking about Corey. I got confused with Barlog. With Barlog, yeah. Anyways, Johnny, let's move on to our final story for the for the week. This one comes from Kotaku. We haven't talked we haven't talked about Kotaku in a while. This article is written by Ari Notice. It says Sony assures it won't forget single player PlayStation games amid online push, which is very topical because we were just talking about that right now. So it says PlayStation has grown increasingly vocal about its live service auspices. I hope I said that word. Auspices? Do you know that word, Johnny? I think it's auspices. Okay. That's a big that's a big boy word for the week. Auspices. Go look it up, people. But the firm's over okay, look up this word too. Over O E U V R E Over Over Man, I need to expand my vocabulary. But the firm's over of top flight single player games isn't getting sidelined as a result. At least according to statements made by two PlayStation execs in a recent interview. For the past 4,000 years... That can't be right. For the past 4,000 years, PlayStation has carved out space as a purveyor of luxe single-player games. What? That doesn't... That can't be right. For the past 4,000... Okay. I'm going to assume they mean like 4,000 days... Maybe it's 40 months. I don't PlayStation. Anyway, the point is PlayStation has carved out space as a purveyor of Lux single player games. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm reading the right article. Often cinematic in nature, sometimes linear in structure. But thanks to the unabating popularity of mega blockbusters like Fortnite and Apex Legends, live service games, multiplayer games that offer a continuous flow of fresh content in the service of endless dollars, our current, oh, pop up, pop up. Are currently all the rage Sony wants in. It has plans. It's not entirely clear how those plans come to fruition, however, so don't expect a 180 degree pivot away from the good stuff. Speaking to GameIndustry.biz, Herman Holst, head of PlayStation Studios, and Jade Raymond, studio boss of Haven, a nascent. Okay, look up that word too now, Johnny. Nascent. Man, this guy's bringing out the big nascent? words. N A S C E N T. Is it nascent? nascent? What does that mean? Do you know that word? I don't. I'm a nascent kidding. outfit Sony just scooped up as its newest first-party studio earlier this week. Who is this article written for? I need to find out. Double down on praise for marquee PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games like Ghost of Tsushima, The Last of Us, and Horizon Forbidden West. Obviously, we will always carry on making these single-player narrative-based games, Holt said. We carry on doing that. We carry we carry on doing what we've always done. But you spot, you've spotted correctly that we have invested in live service games. We have quite a few now in development or conceptualization. So yes, we are setting up capabilities internally, he added. PlayStation has its own unique secret sauce to getting to those games, getting to those amazing games. It's not by chance that you see so many 90 plus blockbusters, Raymond added. Presumably referring to the Metacritic scores of Sony's first party portfolio. That said, Haven won't be contributing to PlayStation's vulnerable slate of single-player games, at least not initially. The studio, which was founded last year, hasn't yet revealed or even announced a game, but plans on making its debut with a splashy live-service game, according to The Verge. Less clear is how Sony hits that target. Obviously, Haven helps as does the Bungie acquisition, but 10 games is a lot of games, especially considering the turbulence, the delays, the reorganizations, and the restructurings that terminally plague the industry. 
It remains to be seen if Sony has plans, either on the back burner or not, to direct the first party studio's best known for cinematic adventures, a pantheon that includes the likes of Insomniac, Naughty Dog, Gorilla, and Housemark, to make online games. Sony did not respond to a request for a comment. Whew, okay, I'm going to end right there. Wow, that was a really weird, weirdly worded article. Anyways, Johnny, what do you think? I think, I mean, I don't know. I kind of threw this in as a last-minute thing. I don't know if it's important or not. I don't even know if it's worth discussing. But I don't think, was there anybody really doubting that Sony was not going to continue making, like, the stellar first-person, I mean, not first-person, single-player games that it's pretty much become known for? No, dude. I mean, that's their whole fucking pitch as a company. Right? That's like if Burger King was like, tomorrow we're only doing tacos from now on. It's like, that's like, this is single player games are like their bread and butter. Like, they're not going to wildly change. I wonder who this was written well, for, it's honestly. Hook. It's like, come for the single player, stay for the multiplayer. Yeah, I could see that. Or vice versa, for people who are not PlayStation gamers, come for the promise of multiplayer, but really stay for what is the single player experiences. That's why I stay with Sony. Because of the fucking, the strong narrative games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, fuck, but we've been asking for multiplayer for sure, so I'm not going to say there's not a great fucking multiplayer out there. Yeah, because we always, gonna... yeah, we've talked about how there's no, like, great multiplayer PlayStation exclusive shooter, right? There's That's not a real thing that really exists. Well, oh, but... yeah, today it doesn't exist, but they have games that can do that, like SOCOM. Okay, maybe, maybe, fa- maybe a siphon filter. I thought you were going to mention factions again. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of IP that Sony has that has that has a ton of potential. Mm-hmm. That's like nothing out there that I can think of that I really want as a multiplayer. Mm-hmm. You get me? I do get you. Like, I mean, not to talk shit about them, but Xbox. What other IP do they? have? Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> no, like honestly, what other IP do they have that you think, hey, this would be a dope multiplayer game? Well, all, most of their IPs are already multiplayer games, so there's not really... Well, we have Gears and we have Halo. That's already a multiplayer game. Yeah, what else? They don't have anything single to really, like, compare that to. I mean, they got Banjo. They can make a multiplayer out of that. A multiplayer Banjo game? Yeah. Open world Banjo multiplayer game. That wouldn't work. That would be weird. Okay, what about Nintendo. So, Nintendo's kind of done that already. They've done like the Tetris 99 and the Super Mario 99, which is like. What is that? Like, Super Mario 99 was like where you and 99 other people played a Super Mario level. But like for every enemy you beat, you can like gather, you can like gain points and use those points to like send enemies to your to the other to the other players. But there's not like an open world thing. Right? No, 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 no. But it's like an online multiplayer version of what's basically Mario. So. It counts in a way, but yeah, I, 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 I didn't even for a second like doubt that Sony would not focus on more single player games in the future. Like, just, yeah, they're doing their online push now because historically they never really had an online like. Yeah, this is just a catch up. It's not. Yeah, this isn't like a refocus. Like we're changing our entire like company ethos. We're just like playing catch up really at this point, but we're still gonna. We're still going to excel at the one thing we do really well. Like, we're not completely changing our narrative to go chase after something and abandon what we've been this whole time. Like, no. Like, I never for a second thought that's what they were doing. 
No, because this I don't think it's sustainable either. Because what they really want is a Fortnite, right? Not everybody is meant to be a Fortnite. Exactly, but if how many Fortnites can there be out there, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if we had a Resident Evil massive multiplayer game, it's like if everybody I'd jump on it. Yeah, it's like sure. a, it's like if everybody wanted to be U.S. president. And it's like, well, it's not realistic because every president serves like four years. And there's just a limit to how many people can become elected in their lifetime. And it's like, yeah, but it, like, okay, all the all the IP that I was talking about that Sony has that can potentially be a multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. All those badass games that I think they can do it with, even if they made it happen and there was like ten of them, I can't my bandwidth. I don't have enough bandwidth for that shit, right? Well, I mean, the odds would be that you would just focus on one or two, right? You yeah, they're not all meant for like everybody. Yeah, so that's what I think Sony wants. They want. Like maybe three, and they're gonna be different type of games. Like maybe you have your <coughs> maybe Horizon you have like, Online. Yeah, your Horizon Online, and then you have a Factions, and then you have your uh, third person view games and your first person game, right? Maybe more Astrobot or Sackboy stuff. Yeah, yeah, because there, there's genres I'm not gonna touch. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, how how good it looks, like I'm not gonna touch. Like I'm not gonna fuck with a Astrobot. No, I might fuck with Astrobot. But a first-person game, I'm probably not going to touch it. So in a first-person SOCOM? No. Third-person SOCOM? No. I'll give it a try for sure. Oh. But I, I don't think I'd stick around for too long. Yeah. This was a weird article for me. There was like a couple words I, I heard of, but I didn't know how to spell or like how to pronounce them. Like I need to I need to, I need to go back to college, Sean. There, there was only like three of them. I know. I need to brush up on my grammar, on my vocabulary. But also, I just wasn't sure... I just, it just, this seemed like a weird article because, like, who's really, who really thought this? You know what I mean? Like, I felt like, like, no, like, they're not abandoning, like, they're, you know, if it works, don't fix it kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, anyways, Johnny, that's all seven stories for this week. We've just done. That's a new record, I think, for us. Seven stories. Yeah, they were short, though. They were short. That's why we were able to pack so many in. Johnny, what have you been playing? Actually, I already know what you've been playing, but I want to know how well have you. I know you're, you've gone back to Elden Ring to give it a fair shake, as we as we say. Give it the old college try. Not really. What? Um, I haven't played anything new. Okay. Uh, we already talked about Fortnite. Give that a try. Yes, you did. Uh, definitely recommend you get into it. I am. I will. I will. I'll play it tonight. Uh, Elden Ring. I, I know when that Elden Ring. Yes, that one. It can only mean one thing. Go ahead. Death. <laughs> yes, death is a huge part of Elden Ring. Definitely. I frustratingly in, so i put in a few more hours i don't feel like i don't even know if it's hours like that but i'm trying to give it a fair shake i'm trying to roam around the map as far as i can see all the different type of locations you sent me a picture of a lobster yes uh you're like very creative unique enemies and it's a picture of a lobster a giant lobster to yeah. be fair that lobster is not a boss okay so it's a regular enemy yeah the bosses look cool have you fought any actual bosses where the bar take, like shows up on the bottom of the, of the screen? Yes, but I've died. Okay, who were they? I don't remember the name. Was one of them a dragon? I bet at least one of them was a dragon. No, there wasn't a dragon. Really? I think there was that guy on the bridge you talked about last time. He's like on the... Uh, he was northeast. No, I'm sorry, northwest. Oh, Margit? I don't know the name. Is there a cutscene when he shows up? Really quick one. Yeah. So like super quick, I think. Does he like, jump down from like a yes, tower? Like, I, yeah, he was crouching and he was like probably reprimanding you, and then he jumped down. Yeah. And 
Did you have to pass through the yellow fog door to get to him? There's like a yellow fog door. I've been through a couple of fog doors. There oh, was, okay. There's one that was in a dungeon. A fog door in there was a dungeon. Was it the one with the wolves in it? I fought wolves. I don't know if it was the same wolves. Are they bigger wolves? Well, because, okay, all the bosses have names. Do you remember any of the names? Hmm. There's like something of the Azul something, like War, or uh, I don't remember the name. But I, there's a dude that you fight with a big blade in a dungeon cave. Yeah, so when you get to that kind of distance over there, like what? how many upgrades have you had at that point? How many what? Upgrades. Uh, my character right now is level 60. Level 60, okay. I think I'm like level 15, maybe 19. That sounds about right. Yeah, I'm not very content with it. Uh, I hate that mechanic, dude. Like, when you lose your life and you have to go pick it up. Okay, okay. It'll you be, lose your runes. Uh, your runes, yeah. Yeah. It'll be a situation where I'm very, I'm very, sorry. I'm being very tactical. Mm-hmm. I'm going behind motherfuckers. I, I sneak up. I shank them in the ass. Yeah, for the critical. I hit. slice them up to more hits and they're down. Yeah. And then I go around doing this for a couple enemies, right? And then I'm walking through the forest. I'm just minding my business. I don't see nobody, right? And then I have like a giant fucking bear just come behind oh, me and okay, like tombstone like. me. And I'm like, yeah. where the fuck did you come from? I lost all my runes. And now I got to go back and I don't have a, like a place of worship. I forget what are they called? The side of side of grace. Yeah. I don't have any sites of grace or on the, this area. Yeah. 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 So I got to run through them motherfuckers again. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta get to the bear, but this bear is so OP, I can't let him watch me. Just grab your quick. just grab your runes and run, Johnny. Well, that's the whole thing, but <laughs> I gotta get through these guys again. And then yeah. I gotta get more runes, I gotta get to the bear, and if this motherfucker spots me, it's a one-hit kill. And I'm like, did I just do all that shit again to get runes I couldn't get and lose more runes along the way? It feels like yeah. such a cheap mechanic, dude. That's exactly how they've been ever since Dark Souls, like one. And I don't like it. That's fair. I don't like that. It, it's it's it is hard. It is the game is purposely hard. Yes. No, but that's a cheap hard right there. It's not like. Well, I I, I do think you're right. It is cheap in the sense like you had no idea that was going to happen. But I also think it's like not cheap in the sense that like that was preventable. In a way, not really. Mm. No, because I'm like I'm, I'm like there was fucking trees all around me, and I'm sneaking up, and there's like no sign that this dude is behind me, and then he just comes and he like. That's life, Johnny. That's, fucking that's, wrecks me from behind. That's from software right there. Very little warning sometimes. I see. There's I been ha- there's been times where I'm just like exploring, and then like literally a dragon dropped out of the sky and just killed me. But yeah, it yeah. was like a but it was a like. It was like a pre-programmed spot where I was, where that's going to happen, no matter how, no matter what. See, I don't think the game is that difficult. I, I really don't. Like, I don't mind sneaking up and and maybe fucking some archers or a little but bit. But how often do you go to like a one-on-one, like just straight up walk to somebody and just like fight it out? Do you ever do that, or do you always sneak around? If I'm close to the to the place of grace, I'll do that. The side of grace. Yeah. Okay. If I'm close to that, I'll just fucking Then go. you're like, "Oh, I'm like if I die, I'm just going to be right here." Yeah, and the and the grace is like right there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but it, it just feels really cheap that I lose my my shit like so far along the road, right? When I've already done work. The difficulty itself, I don't think it's a problem. 
I think I'm on my bravest, like, right after I level up and I have, like, nothing, almost nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Where, like, if I lose, like, 100 runes, it's not a big deal. Because that's, like, I just leveled up and then I'm left over with a small bit of leftover. Like, I don't care if I lose that. Like, I'm I'm much more brave. I'm braver after I leveled up than when, like, I'm about to reach the next oh, threshold. Sure. yeah, yeah. Because when I'm in that, at close to the next threshold, I'm, like, very cautious. I'm, like, I do not want to lose these runes right now. Mm-hmm. So I do think you're. I think I think you're right. There is, there is certain things that do feel sometimes cheap. Uh, I've been in situations where I get stun locked, where like I, I get knocked down, and as I'm getting up, I get hit again, and that kills me, and that's like really frustrating. It's frustrating. It's a little bit understandable because I don't like some games where your hitbox just disappears. You know. Okay. So if you get knocked and you get hit again, all right, it makes sense. Well, in, in all the from software games, when you do the dodge roll, like in the middle of that animation, you are invincible. Like you can dodge roll through things and like not get hurt because you have invincibility frames when you're in mid dodge. So like, for example, is your character like? Do you, do you have like a lot of crap on your character? Is your character heavy or no? Yeah, he's heavy. Does he do the very slow dodge roll where he kind of like struggles to roll? Yeah, I didn't know you could take. Uh, take weight off of him and... you have to take you have to wear like lighter stuff or take off certain like if you have excessive weapons or armor mm-hmm. and then that affects like how well you're able to like roll okay i'll, I'll check that out but can you do that in the menu can you do that yes. anytime all yes right. all right cool yeah it's mo- it shows you that each item you equip has like a weight to it and if you look in the bottom right corner when you're choosing your gear it'll tell you like like heavy load medium load like light load and it tells you like what your overall weight is compared to like how much you can carry, and if the ratio is like good, then you'll have like medium medium load is what you want to aim for because that's like the optimized one. Yeah. But if you have a heavy load where you're just like weighed down by all this heavy armor, you're not going to be very effective. You're gonna you're gonna have more defense, but you're gonna be taking a lot more hits because you're just slow. Yeah, and this this kind of just feels like a reskin of this game of. Uh... Like Bloodborne. It's, well, it, a I lot know, of the HUD and a lot of the elements are exactly the same as Bloodborne. It, lo- it looks the same. Also, the uh, the mechanic, the multiplayer mechanic, that doesn't seem like it's changed at all. Yeah, that's the same. It's it looks great. the fucking same. Yeah, it's. I feel like I'm not saying the game is isn't fun. Like the game just isn't for me. That's fair. That's why I'm like I can't give it a rating. That's okay. But it's like. I, I, like I'm trying to be objective about the game. I, I'm saying all the shit that I fucking despise about the game. Maybe not despise, but I really don't fucking like struggle it. with. Yeah, but there's shit where I'm like, this is like the big ass payoff you guys were waiting for. <laughs> like really, like this is this feels like a copy and paste just in a new location and it's open world. Yeah. Like, like for example, I'm I'm walking. At the beginning of the game, right? I'm walking and then I see one of the tablets, the multiplayer shit, right? Yeah. And some guy is super excited. He's like, oh, I didn't expect jumping. I'm like, really? Like, you didn't even expect fucking jumping in a game? Like, no, I think serious? He, I think he meant for that specific area. Because there is sometimes I'll come up on the messages and it'll be like, jump or jumping. And it's like, oh, okay, there's going to be a sequence where I want to do like, like, jump over something or... He's telling me that jumping is like the secret, is like the key to winning a battle or something. No, it was a be- at the beginning of the cave. You're like you're in a cave and you're like jumping over like two foot spaces. Like oh. there's nothing where it's like, oh, I couldn't have accessed that without a jump. It was just a, like it was a cavern. Okay. And there were like one foot, two steps, and then like you just go forward. There was nothing. Right. 
like unaccessible or accessible with the jumping. It was just like, oh, I don't expect fucking jumping in this game. I was like, that's your fucking bar, guys. <laughs> All right, so there's that. Um, but yeah, the the multiplayer aspect, I like it, but it's no different than like the last shit. You're right. Yeah, multiplayer is pretty much the same. The only yeah, the only thing that's really drastically different from this game in like Sekiro or Bloodborne or in the Dark Souls games is that you're free to traverse like you can literally go to like one of the end game bosses provided you're like lucky enough to survive all the enemies between then and there but like you are really free for the most part to kind of just go in any direction and i feel like that's its strength and also its weakness because it doesn't really they're like the i don't know if you look at the map but like if you look like the po- sites of grace do point in a general direction of like where the next like thing is you're supposed to go like they also have like a light kind of like pointing like yeah where you're supposed to go but for the most part the game the game's story doesn't do the best job of directing you in what direction of what you're supposed to do next because i'm at the point right now i'm at level 60 i'm like there's like five main main story bosses mm-hmm. and i've taken down three of them at this point and at the point where I'm at, it's like the game stopped telling me where to go. And I kind of have to just figure it out the rest on my own. And like, I've been looking on the internet. And I, I, thankfully, I looked like online, like, oh, yeah, like at this point, you're going to be confused about what you're supposed to do because like you've pretty much discovered the whole map, at the, the whole world map at this point. Uh, Colin so, Moriarty brought that up. He was actually complaining about the map as well. And oh, okay. that there was like really no sense of direction, and then he yeah. went online, and you read it like a bunch of stuff, and he's like, "This makes no fucking sense." Like, there's, there's no like, how would you have known this otherwise? Well, how would you have known it otherwise? And then once you get to it, like everybody's playing the game differently, mm-hmm. yeah. so like you trying to match up to what somebody else did is still fucking convoluted. It is because it's like there's different character builds and like the approach for bosses changes dramatically based off of what you can do. Yeah, like you might have like three bosses to feed. Like you might have three bosses to feed it, and they they're like have to give you this monumental list of like you gotta get here, 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 mm-hmm. and it's so fucking tedious. That's where like, I'm at right maybe now. Maybe you start it somewhere else. You yeah, know? yeah. Like your playthrough is a different boss, and they're giving you a playthrough with, with their... shit that you've already played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get I, what I'm I get what you're saying because there was like a strategy for like a boss, and I'm like. Like, hey, you're going to want to use magic or use it. I'm like, wait, I don't even have that, though. I'm like, I have a samurai. I'm not specializing in magic. I'm, like, using swords. Like, that's not going to work for me. And it's like, well, you can do this. The next next fucking article. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go somewhere. I got to go to Reddit. I was like, you need to get get this weapon. Like, okay, I have the weapon. Oh, you need to invest in these stats to use the weapon. I'm like, okay, well, it's going to take me an hour to get the runes I need to level up that specific stat. Yeah, and so you're right. The game's not without its flaws. Definitely not without its flaws. I just it's not intuitive at all. It's not. That's probably one of the yeah. The game is very much kind of just. This is like the antithesis to like people say, oh, this game holds your hand too much. Like this is the polar opposite of like it doesn't hold you enough. Like you're just kind of just thrown out there, and it's like you figure it out. It really is just you figure it out. But the tools are there. But it requires a lot of collaboration with other people playing the game for you to know what you're supposed to be doing. Because a lot of people praise it like, oh, they just left me alone to figure Praise out. the message, Johnny. Praise the message. Yes. You never see that? Not that one. No? No. I just keep saying, 
uh, boho one fingers. Oh, okay. There's sometimes they're like, oh, like jump, praise the message. I'm like, I'm not going to praise the message for that. Yeah, a lot of people are praising it for like, oh, it just threw me in there. It it, it lets me be, uh, lets me figure it out on my own. And I feel like an adult about it. But it's. It does feel refreshing going from something like Horizon or like Far Cry 6. Like, mm-hmm. those are the last two big open world games I played. And going to something where it just lets you just do your own thing. But then after a few hours, you kind of crave that direction again. Well, the thing is, it's it's like a gun. It's like, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not fucking have it. So with a map like Horizon or like Far Cry, where they're saying like, oh, there's so much shit to do on the map. Again, you can turn the shit off in other video games. Right, right? the HUD, yeah, yeah. If you want to feel like an adult or whatever, just turn it off. Just turn off the HUD. Just turn off all the little icons on the map, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But if you like, if you're just trying to like get through the fucking game at some point, like you, you just just tell me where the shit is. Just tell me where the main bosses are. Tell me where to go. Tell me where to go. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I don't fucking like the map. The combat just feels so data. I wonder if... This Did is... you finally lock on to enemies? Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, it made a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I wonder if this maybe just has to do with... Maybe they have a very dated engine. That could be what's going on. I don't know what's the engine. Because they're like, you don't even have interesting parkour. Yeah. So you go to the sites and you're like, oh, there's a big ass building. I can't do shit with it. It's just there. I the can't game, climb it. Yeah. The I game, can't really go into it. Right. There's no puzzles to do in the building. Yeah. The game feels very much like as if it was developed by people who only played games from the 80s and then just never played anything beyond that. Where it has a very like old kind of unforgiving, like get good and we don't believe in map markers and we don't believe in like you know, a quest log, like just pay attention is basically what it wants you to do. And that's kind of, that's, that's for some people that's refreshing. And then for some of people, it's like, like this is just outdated. And like one of those situations where less is less, not more. It just feels like cutting corners to me. I could see that. You guys really just couldn't make a fucking map. Like it it didn't even have need to be super populated. Just give me like, these are the dungeons. This is the region for this. If you want to collect, if you want to upgrade this, you, you have an idea of where to go to upgrade your stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just give me a general idea, but it doesn't. It's just the general idea that they have is like, Remember. you get to the grace, and then it'll kind of point you in that direction. And I've done that. And then when I get to the location, it's just like, oh, it's just another fucking grace. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Like, yeah, they all link to the next, until you eventually get to the next, where you're supposed to be. Yeah, so the, so the POIs aren't that interesting like once i get to that location it's just like oh just keep moving it just like redirects you mm-hmm. yeah pretty much that's exactly right it's just it's like uh connecting the dots kind of thing yeah like okay so those are my graphs what are your graphs or like where do you think it really does well i for me what it, i think what it really does well is just the one thing they've always done really well with these games and that's like the boss fights the actual boss fights where you're forced to get into the dirt with the boss, figure out what you're supposed to do, memorize like the combos. We're like, okay, it's going to do this thing and this thing. And then when it's done with this thing, there's my opening for me to do my thing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I know I said thing a lot, but that's really what it is for me is I don't really care about the visuals. The visuals have never been like their strongest point. It's just like, whatever. It's like a early PS4. I mean, for me, it looks like a PS4 game just with it's running on 60 frames for me. 
Because I, I always prioritize frame rate, except for Horizon. Horizon, I prioritize resolution. Like, But here I went for frame rate because, like, this is a kind of game where every frame matters. So I'm very much into, like, making sure everything's going smoothly, making sure, like, my distance between with the boss and, like, I know what their range of attack is. I'm very much... The boss fights for me are what make this game so interesting and good. Because when I get to a new boss fight, it's like... All right, it's exciting to figure out like what's going to be the strategy here. What do I have to do? Like, can I cheese the fight? Like, there was a boss yesterday that was extremely hard for me to do. I could not. He has like an undodgeable attack, and I I cannot for the life of me figure this out. So I like I went online and like someone put up a video like, oh like you can make this boss fight like almost trivial if you like sneak up, and instead of attacking him, you use like this poison ability, and like that's like a it's like almost like in Metal Gear Solid Three where like you can fight the end. You know, the sniper, the old guy? Yeah. Or you can just set your clock forward two days and he dies by old age in the game. Like, they're, like a lot of the boss fights have more than one. They have, like, the obvious solution. And then some will have, like, a another solution. There's this really creative boss fight where you're fighting this character. You're fighting this, like, ghost character. Yeah. And you damage him and his health does not go down. Like, he is invincible pretty much. And you're like, what am I supposed to do? Then you pay attention to his name. It's like something, the great snail. You're fighting a knight, and it says, like, the great snail. And you're like, like that's not who I'm fighting. And then way in the corner of the dungeon is the actual snail. Mm. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go and kill the snail. And when you kill the snail, the knight dies also. That is pretty cool. So, like, the snail summoned the knight, and you're thinking, like, oh, that's, like, the, that's the, what I'm supposed to face. But the name tells you, like, it's basically a distraction. The real boss is way in the corner, and he dies, like, super easily. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's moments where, like, if you ran into a boss who's, like, super frustrating, you're like, oh, like, I can't, like, it's hard. Like, I have to figure out the strategy. And sometimes it's, like, something, like, so simple as, like, that's not the real boss. The real boss is hidden in the corner. And that it's, like, kind of how Kojima approaches, like, boss fights where, like, they can be, like, they can, they're always memorable because sometimes they have more than one solution where, like, for example, you can kill the boss or you can do the thing where you drain their stamina, like in all the Metal Gear Solid games, where you can go for like a no-kill run, right? That's the same thing with like the, a lot of the From Software bosses where there's more than one obvious solution. Mm-hmm. So that's, for me, that's what I basically played these games, or when I do play them, it's for the bosses. Not so much for the in-between stuff, the the traveling, the enemies, the exploration. Like That's nice and all, but... Like, the meat of the game is the bosses. Yeah, see, why does this game have to be open world? If the bosses are, like, the main thing, just fucking make it linear until we get to those badass enemies. Well, because also there's a, there's times when you're you're brought up against a boss that you just, you're just not well-equipped-wise, either equipment-wise or stat-wise. Like, you're just not ready for this, so you need to go somewhere else, grind out a, a couple areas, or, like, explore and discover better weapons and gear and magic. And then come back and like, now I'm ready. And you can't really do that with the linear game as well. Because that's boring when you are forced to grind out games in a linear fashion. Oh, At least that's my... That's Bloodborne and that's the previous game. So now they're not fun. No, they've always been fun. But that's that's one of the less fun elements of those games. I think. The grinding is. Yeah. Here the grinding is at least somewhat more tolerable. Because it's kind of like glossed over with an open world, I think. In my opinion. This is my opinion. This is how I feel about the game. So, that's my, and I guess your kind of update. Are you are you just at this point? Are you just done with the game? Then have you just given up? Then, like, is that it? 
If it stays the same, yeah. Okay, so you are gonna. Oh, no. I Have mean... you beat any of the bosses? No, no, no. I haven't. Okay. I, if it... Can you describe the ones you face? I know you, Marjit, the fellow man, the one you talked about who jumped down from the tower. That is by far, my experience, the hardest boss so far. Which sucks because he's like the first one, but he's also, he's like the hardest the one. first because he was so far into the map. Was he like in the castle, right? When you pass the gate, you open the, like, right? The, where it's got the archers? Past the archers, yeah. Um, You're talking about the dude who like talks to you. There's a cutscene, talks to you from a tower, then he jumps down onto the bridge area. Yeah, I remember a scene playing out like that. Yeah. He's like uh, a really big guy, really big, right? With a tail. Was that the guy with like a sword? And like a light axe thing sometimes, yeah. Yeah, it looked more like some mix between an axe and a sword. Yes. So yes. there's that dude. Um... He's a pain. He's a real pain. He's like by far, I think, the hardest boss for like where you're at in the game. I'm gonna. I need to level up a few times. So yeah, I I think I'm gonna try to take it more steady and not cover so long of a stretch in the game. Yeah, and then try to cover it like. I suggest also just like fighting more on horseback because you can find a horseback and like you're able to move away easier and not be as exposed. Well, I was trying to explore the map. But I think because I keep dying, like, I'll go so far and then I'll lose my fucking treasure or whatever. Your runes. My runes. So far over there and I have to, like, do the same fucking thing again. Mm -hmm. That's annoying. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to try to play the game more, like, circular. Okay. So at least I'm close to my rune. If I'm close to my runes, if I die, it's like a circle instead of a long-ass line. Right. So I'll try to level up a few times and then I'll go to... What corner of the map should I go to? I recommend going heading south, heading south to the the Weeping Peninsula, which is like an area south of where you start the game. So totally south or like south? Definitely west? south, southeast ish. Southeast, okay. Yeah, head south. Yeah, you know where like the swamp is outside of where you start off the game, the little swamp area mm-hmm. where like a dragon sometimes shows up. You probably haven't triggered it yet, but there's a specific part of the swamp where the dragon will just drop down and kill everybody. I've just seen lobsters. Okay, well, okay, yeah, okay. Oh, southeast of where the lobsters are. You can cross the bridge, and it'll take you to another continent. Like this, It's called the Weeping Peninsula. Okay. And there's, like, a lot more enemies who are scaled for, like, your, le- for like your level. All right, so I'm going to level up at least two times, and then I'm Probably gonna... more than... Any probably more than two, I think. I think I that area around like level twenty six or twenty seven. Okay, so at least get to twenty seven. Yeah, you tell me to get to. Are you? What are you investing in? Every time you level up, or are you investing in your? Skills? I was just throwing into my fucking sword, and then you don't put anything in your, like your health. Step. Okay, vigor. Yeah, you yeah. want more health because increasing your health also increases your resistances for all the different types of damage. So it's, you, not only are you getting more health, you're also increasing your defense for against every other type of like damage you can take. Yeah, I'll do that. I I need to apply some more shield. I like I said before, I don't like blocking and I don't like breaking in video games. Parrying? I love parrying. Uh, yeah, the parry too is fucking weird. Like I'll try to jump forward and then I'll like jump back. That has that hasn't happened with you? Like I'll be in the middle of fucking uh, a battle, mm-hmm. or I'm trying to get away from somebody and I jump forward and then the shit will like parry back. Oh, so I'm like trying to get away from this motherfucker like, yeah you probably push you... some... yeah because there's a button i think the circle button like if you're standing still you'll do a back step instead i could be fucking up but okay so i'll upgrade a little bit i'll try to upgrade to at least like 25 27 and then 
I'll fight like a main boss, I guess. And if I don't fuck with that, I'm just done with it. Yeah, that. if at that point you're just not enjoying it, then there's no sense to like beat yourself over the head with it. Then, I yeah, think. yeah, it's understandable. I get it. I mean, they're they're not these games are definitely not meant for like everyone. It's very you almost have to be like a sadist to enjoy the game, <laughs> and that's not really everybody. But it's still it's so weird to me because you claim you claim to play on hard mode for everything, man. But no, well I said the game itself isn't that hard. It's just got cheap mechanics, cheap difficulty. I mean, some games on hard mode feel cheap too, though. And like you said, and then you said you have to be a sadist to play this game, and immediately I thought about Death Stranding. Is Death Stranding also hard and cheap? No, it's not cheap. Oh, it's. It's hard, but it's very. It's fair. It feels like playing chess. Is it fair? It's fair. Like you, like you see something, and it tells you that's what you're up against, and you have to make all the calculations you need to do before you get there. Hmm. And then on your journey, you're making all these calculations, but they're different from your initial calculations. Okay. So, you like. I'm not really gonna get into that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but. Like when you get your packages, yeah, you're you're brainstorming like I could take this, I could take that, I gotta drop this weight, uh, and then you're looking at the map and you're like I'm gonna go in this direction, etc. But once you traverse the map, it's a totally different ball game. It's like playing two different games. It's it's three D chess, four D yeah. chess. Chess is already in three D. Four D chess. Yeah. So I get it. Uh yes. All right. Well, that's where we're at with Elder Ring, I guess. I'm like. I'm about 25 hours into the game, and according to everybody, I'm about a little past the halfway point with the game, which sounds about right. Unless I want to do 100%, which is like beat every single boss, which I don't think I will. How do you run faster? Hold circle. No, like permanently. What do you mean permanently? You hold circle to run. Yeah, I know, but like, is there a stat where you could increase your legs? Oh, you're lighter with less armor. So you just move quicker. Your load, yeah, your heavy load, medium load, like your load. The on the bottom right corner when it says load, it should tell you like your current weight out of like your maximum weight, which is like your stamina thing. Okay, because you should be probably like around maybe like sixty pounds is your load probably. Yeah, because I do a lot of stealth, so maybe it's better for me to just like step them in the back and finish them off. Yeah. Before I actually get into a battle, maybe I don't need all that armor. I usually prioritize medium or like weight over actual like the armor stat because it's no good to have high armor if you can't if you're not dodging if you're just taking hits compared to having less armor and being able to like avoid damage completely yeah and too often i'll take like two at a time yeah you're probably playing i, I need to see what you're playing i'll, I will, I'll maybe we'll check on that after we're done here because i'm curious to see what your build is I kind of got a headache. Okay, uh, never mind. I'll, maybe I'll record something for you. Or send it, yeah, send me like a, a, a screenshot of your stats or something. But yeah. anyway, so yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna keep playing it until I at least cl- roll credits, whenever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirby comes out tomorrow. So that's going to be the... I don't know if I want to play Kirby right away because I haven't finished Triangle Strategy, which is like the other Switch game I just got a while back. So maybe I'll hold off on Kirby. What do you expect out of Kirby? Or maybe I will get it tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. Uh, it's getting really great reviews. It has like an 86 on Metacritic right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the reviews are saying like it's very refreshing because Kirby has traditionally been a 2D side-scrolling game. Yeah. And this is like another game that's getting the open world. <laughs> Today's like a very open world topic day or something, but it's another game getting an open world update because you're... I played the demo. I played the demo two weeks ago. 
and you go from like area to area and it's very i mean it is linear it tells you like where you kind of have to go in a certain direction but within like the field like to combat and stuff you're very free to like move in any given direction it's not just side scrolling side to side you think his moveset's gonna be like a smash the moveset's really no i the moveset's not like smash i've already played the demo it's not like that but like i i was able to become the car like in the demo like when he tries to swallow the car mm-hmm. and becomes a little kirby car uh and driving playing as the car with kirby is really fun the game feels very refreshing for the kirby formula but I don't have a full opinion into it until I play it. That's pretty badass. Like, I gotta get from A to B. Let me swallow a car. Yeah. That's cool. That's the premise. And then I in the demo, there's like one boss battle. And it's a really fun boss battle where you fight like this giant gorilla. Uh-huh. And you kind of just have to like, he throws stuff at you. You inhale it, throw it back. And then like the bat, he has like different phases throughout the boss fight. It's It's definitely, it's more complicated than traditional easy peasy Kirby games. Mm-hmm. This feels like the Mario Odyssey for Kirby, if that makes sense. I didn't play Mario Odyssey. Okay, well, it's like if you played Mario 64, but with Kirby, then. Think of it that way. Yeah. So, I played the demo. I loved it. I'm definitely going to play I don't know if I'm going to buy it tomorrow or not. I, I I really don't know. Maybe I'll wait on it. Maybe I, It's one of those like impulse things for me, but um, yeah. And that's where I'm at. Oh, Oh yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I've been playing. I'm replaying right now. I just started replaying the original uh, Call of Duty Four, the one from 2007, because mm-hmm. one of my friends is doing like a Call of Duty podcast where he plays every every single Call of Duty, just one Call of Duty per month. And now he's getting to my favorite one, which is Call of Duty Four. So I'm like, okay, like I'll replay the game so we can talk about it. So, but that's like I'm just playing it just for like another purpose. But if you never play Call of Duty 4, there's a Call of Duty 4 remastered on PS4. It is this is that's the game where Call of Duty really like launched, like it really took off, because Call of Duty 4 is the OG. So that is where we are at, Johnny. Johnny, any final statements, words of advice, any more? Doesn't have to be testosterone related, but any health advice you want to you know impart this time? Totally. Go to sleep. Wear wear yellow yellow glasses. Blue light blocking glasses. Yellow glasses. Yeah, get enough sunlight. Wait, so do get sunlight? Yeah. But not UV light? No, the blue light glasses are primarily after like 7 p.m. You should start wearing them. Mm. Because you're going to get that, that, like it mimics the sunlight and it's coming out of your devices. That's what the glasses are really for mm. after a certain time. Will um, that make you sleep better? Oh, for sure, dude. Because mm. you can just start releasing that melatonin at the at the appropriate time. Is that the same thing that makes your skin darker? No, that's melanin. Oh, okay. They sound very similar. They sound very similar. Yeah. Alrighty then. Which one's the one? Oh, which one's the one for like when you feel good? There's a couple of those. Uh, oh, serotonin. Yes, serotonin. They both have tonin in them. That's why I was asking. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you if you managed to make it this far. We appreciate your listenership. Uh, Johnny and I are always open to any thoughts or opinions or questions or any any form of communication you're open that you would like to share with us. You can reach us as always at duosensepodcast at yahoo.com. Again, that is duosensepodcast, one word, at yahoo.com. 
You can also reach us at our Twitter handle, which we almost never... I, I mean, I publish the episodes under it, but I usually don't really like do much more with it. At DuoSenseP on Twitter. Again, that is DuoSenseP, because I couldn't fit podcast for some reason, on Twitter. Johnny, I think that's going to be it for us today. I'm like gradually falling asleep here. I've had, I've been working in the garden for the last week, and I'm not used to this amount of physical labor. So I'm like, my back is sore. My legs are sore. And I think that's making me extra sleepy all week. So I'm going to turn it in, turn it in right here. And I think that's going to be it for tonight. So we'll see you next week and goodbye. Peace.